Welcome to Aw oh Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We just become a real a hype machine yeah. for ourselves. Great. The, the strobe lights are going off. Here. Yeah, we have a big, yeah, elaborate pyro yes. pyrotechnic pyrotechnic technic you're 100% yeah. right great yeah. <laughs> uh, set up here there's strobe lights big flames you can't see it but fuck we feel it yeah it feels hot <laughs> hot as hell hot. uh we're back and we're doing another little uh bprd one off yeah. um but we'll be getting to that very shortly first off we got a segment that hasn't been around for quite a while we had at least one listener say they wanted more of it. Well, here it is. A little segment we like to call <laughs> Hell to Pay. Woo! Uh, the first thing is, right out the gate, both of these things we were talking about have already been online talked about, but hell, we're talking about it right here. This is the release of the Hellboy Blu-ray for 2019. You know how we feel about this movie. We don't need to get into that. But it's coming out. It has like a nice bunch of different versions of it. You can get at Target, which is now a big thing. You can get like an exclusive case at Target, exclusive version from online. Exclusive Best Buy has actually a cover that has Bad original Mignola. Mignola art. I almost want to buy it, dude. Just for the Mignola it's art? It's so pretty. It looks great. <laughs> I do agree. It looks really cool. And it is funny how he just added hair a little and it looks like yeah, the he movie made him version. Look, yeah, he like widened his face maybe a little bit and yeah it like looks yeah it's i don't know it looks great it does it's i mean i love mignola art so i do love that cover For 35 me, bucks I, though i don't know if i want to put 35 dollars towards this movie yeah i feel you i'm gonna go take this metal cover off and then just put like <laughs> fucking safety pins in it i don't know i'm the complete opposite i'm 100 percent just okay with the digital version that You're i stole fine. from online oh, okay, if i good. could get it without the logos on it that would be even better just yeah. when it's that art uh, but it's out there 35 yeah 35.99 is just too much, too rich for my blood for a movie that I didn't love. Yeah. But I bet we'll rent it and talk about it again at some point on here. It'll be in a, it'll be in a supermarket bin in a matter of weeks. Yeah, for sure. The way that I bought the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe even faster than the first movie. But for those that love the movie, it has uh, some cool exclusive stuff for the actual Blu-ray. Um, it's exclusively for the Best Buy Blue or the Blu-ray version. This isn't on the DVD. They have a Tales of the Wild Hunt Hellboy Reborn. It's a three-part documentary. I don't know what that will entail if it's just about the adapting the Wild Hunt into this movie or whatnot. Even though the Wild Hunt could be its own movie, they tried to include it with three other and more storylines in this. Yeah. But that documentary will explain why they did that and how they did that. Yeah. Maybe it'll show all the chaos behind the set possibly I mean, that we've I heard about. I mean, I am like curious about these special features though like i kind of want to see the thought process behind some of the decisions made in this movie all the movie making process will fascinate me yeah there's a yeah. chance this will end up in my hands just for those we should like drink and watch the commentary or something of this movie we do a commentary on top of the comment yeah. commentary track <laughs> of the commentary track <laughs> Ow, my nose is bleeding thinking about this <laughs> i mean there's no, there's no way we're not going to be able to get away with seeing it one more time. Yeah. I just know it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Beth will like leave the house. We'll be like, you can leave Beth. You do not <laughs> need to go through this again. Yeah. We're going to watch it on my big screen. <laughs> 
And they have deleted scenes as well as some pre-visualizations. So if you love the movie or you're as curious as we are, it definitely has some stuff for you. Yeah. So, and for, you know, you can get it in your Blu-ray, your 4Ks. July 23rd. So check it out. Now, the other big announcement, which happened when we're recording this only yesterday before, but it definitely has been out. So the San Diego Comic-Con is either going on right now or already has happened. But Funko Pop um, announced and released images of an exclusive new Hellboy and Abe Sabian for the San Diego Comic-Con this year. So uh, they're pretty freaking cool. Yeah, they look great. I love the proportions on these guys. Yeah, they're not. I like when Funko sort of deviates from their classic or the standard yeah. Funko that we all know. Yeah, the huge head. Mm-hmm. The like would be a bobblehead, but isn't quite. I really am into this like Hellboy, though. More than Abe, even. Like, usually I think Abe looks really cool in the toys, but I think Hellboy is like. You really like really this one sweet. a lot? It's pretty cool. What specifically do you love about the design of Hellboy? It just looks like, I mean, sometimes some Hellboy toys just look bad. Like sometimes the, I don't know what it is. Like trying to adapt this character to a toy is seems to be hard, but I mean, there's a lot of very successful, like awesome looking Hellboy toys. Yeah. I think this one just does it well. I think I'm with you on this one. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) I think it's great. The the head proportion is perfect with the rest of the size and the the right hand of of Doom is great. I think Abe might be an older design that we haven't seen as as of yet. Yeah. He might go through a slight change that I'm fully not aware of the origin of it. Um, Our listeners will either tell us about it or, you know, just don't spoil it for us yet. But his face, I think, is slightly different because we haven't seen that version of him yet oh okay does that make sense yeah. with his like sort of gnarly teeth and has yeah, he looks a different jaw like, yeah i think that is because i've seen covers with that version of it on before but i've we have yet to to get to that point do you know what i mean yeah because both of us have not fully read all of the bprd so and i know that i've seen those that on covers speaking of uh bprd picked up that um newest Hellboy and BPRD comic book, um, The Beast of Vargu. And I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. It's a little one-off. It's more, it's very much like a Hellboy story. Just happens to be titled Hellboy and the BPRD. Yeah. But uh, Duncan Fregredo is an awesome artist. It's a very simple story. I could literally hand it over to you and it won't ruin anything. It's just like him on, it feels like a very like early, what we've already read, like just a side story. I should go grab it then. I feel yeah, like I would more, highly yeah. suggest it. Yeah. Great Mignola cover. I want to try to get the Duncan um, variant, or the original is Duncan's cover, and then the variant is Mignola's, which I have. Cool. I'd love to get Duncan's cover, but my comic book shop only had the Mignola's in. They didn't get to order any of the others, <laughs> or I would have bought two. Hello, yeah. I'll buy them. <laughs> <laughs> so, but those are cool. These yeah. are definitely things. I'm jealous of those that will be going to comic-con and getting those funkos i probably will not be making my way to comic-con again a uh-uh. little too much for little davy and those crowdies seems like a mess it's surprisingly though clean as hell yeah it feels like the equivalent of disneyland uh because i went to i guess they've perfected it at this point right yeah There's and like... i think the amount of money that they pay you have to pay to be in a booth i think is probably Pays for them to be able to make it really nice. Yeah. The AC was How nice. How much in was there. admission? I don't know because I I did the thing where I went with somebody with somebody else's pass. Oh, nice. For one day nice. with a friend. Great. 
So yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. That is a segment for Hell to Pay. Well, we got in our next segment. It's a favorite. It's Oh Boy Email. <laughs> Um, these emails coming at us are very uh, rich. This first one's sort of like a uh, a crazy history lesson. It's very cool. It's from a follower and listener, Ian Widener. Widener, sorry. Online. Sweet. He reached out and I was like, "You got to email us. I'm not going to read anything off this Instagram <laughs> feed. I'll reply to it, but I will not <laughs> read it on here, <laughs> just to keep my brain sane." Yeah, from having it all fall through. Well, you don't want to miss something. Yeah, too. I feel like I miss a lot of stuff. Yeah. So that's why I just make it so you know, if you email us, we'll talk about it. Hell yeah! And here we go. It says again, disclaimer: big history nerd was my major a bit, not racist. Also. Due to the last three years of my college education, was to be high school history teacher. So that's nice. where this comes from. Also titled, Real Nazis Are Less Than, right? That's the less than? Yeah. Hellboy 2004 Nazis, in parentheses, in evilness. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why would he be racist for, what did he mean by that? Because he's excited to talk about Nazis. Oh, oh, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> That's what this is all I about. I totally understand. Yeah. We, I mean, yeah, we have been reading this comic with like hugely featuring Nazis. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We get it. It's okay. Yeah, we totally get it. Yeah. Uh, we had, we definitely, us and our guest, Justin Michael, we all talked about how visually we love Nazis, but we don't want to be supportive. They're just like fascinatingly evil. Like they're so darkly evil. I mean, it, it does. I mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit, how like, does it undercut how evil they are to have them these like cartoonish buffoons or like whatever? But no, I mean, it's still, it's, it's never going to, what they did will never go away. Yeah. And it'll never, you know. And also it's a counter like with the great dictator by, um, Char, Charlie, Charlie, I can't even say his That's name okay. by Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. It sort of he made fun of them and he actually gave them light to take a little out of them. Yeah. Versus always taking them so serious, which yeah, empowered them as well. Them. Yeah, yeah, deflate. He says, as in regards to being a history teacher, but I hate kids, so stopped that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It's good to recognize in yourself before you put yourself in a position to be like a teacher. Yeah. Don't be a teacher if you hate kids. Yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna help anyone. No. <laughs> so I am so sorry if this reads like a boring history lesson. Eh, we'll be inter entertained by it. Yeah. <laughs> I will try to make it more like a History Channel episode. <laughs> Anyways, Nazis were a strange mixture of occult and non-occult. There's so many examples of them being crazy evil monsters from Indiana Jones to Hellboy. Some of this has some actual history to it. Actually having a so-called spear of destiny to just pure speculation. To understand why they have come such the come such the most cartoon examples of the monster boogeyman bad guys, you need to take a crash course of where Nazis came from and how they got started and some of the bigger tenets of their beliefs. Very cool. Also, in the commentary with Guillermo, he talks about how he sort of was making adding to the mythos from the comics about their occultness and then discovered through history that they were also 
involved in that stuff for real. Yeah. And we have another email that we'll talk about this as well. <laughs> a lot of people like really want to chime in on this and I love it. They give us the cool education. Continues. One of the major things to remember about Nazis is that they are all about presentation and image. That's why you had the sharp black and gray costumes that one on, went on to even inspire Star Wars. It was all about image. As a result, many of the choices they made in going forward with the creation of the Nazi party meant distinct designs and meaning behind these designs. As an esoteric meaning, meaning, if you would, with esoteric only meaning understood by a few enlightened few. Cool? Mm-hmm. Another thing about Nazis is they were all about ideology. Most people you ask today can tell you what Nazis wanted, genetic purity and complete control of the world. While there was more to it, and some of the ideas were nuanced more than just that, their strongest point was their ideology. So much so that that war stopped being fought over imperialism after World War II to being fought about ideology. Mainly, what was the better ideology, capitalistic democracy or communistic socialism? So to do this, Nazis had to be appealing. They had to be for the everyman while also working for the higher up elites in government. To appeal to the everyman, they talked about social reform and making Germany great again for Germans only. That sounds what we're in right now in America. Very familiar. Leading back to an ideal of nationalism, which Germany always held in high regard. To appeal to the elites, they had an esoteric angle. Coming off of the 1800s and the mixture of people such as Sir Arthur Cohen Doyle starting his own cult and Harry Houdini trying to bust superstitious myths, People in Europe loved occult things. Real life versions of the Osiris Club, like the Order of the Golden Dawn, were these highly private things that only insider rich assholes could get in. (laughs) (laughs) And these clubs lasted a while. A war would happen and a few would run off to the officers and they would recruit others in their most. Now, due to my research on this being rusty, I don't remember how exactly Hitler got caught up in all of this stuff. The next point to remember, though, is the Nazi party is a patchwork monster of all kinds of different ideas. So he took notes of what other cults were talking about. From a pure master race of men set in motion by the ancients to holy, hollow earth to ancient dramatic deities. From these things had influence in his SS officers in their ritual meetings. As a result, the Nazi party had occult leanings with esoteric secrets and reasons behind it all, bringing a rich upper class with connections in local governments. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, from this, Hitler used his connections he made in the groups to talk more and more about his political ideas, getting into the German parliament and eventually taking over the German government. Now, There is no solid evidence any of the higher-ups of the Nazi party truly believed any of this occult mumbo-jumbo of Hitler being an agent of Wotan or whatever bullshit they cooked up. But to keep the people who did in line, they needed to get artifacts of power, like the Spear of Destiny, to prove to the people that Nazis had power. More and more, Hitler and the higher-ups kept talking about their occult ideas as they got deeper and deeper in the war. And soon it became the only things that still had faith in a while. They were losing the war. Then good news. They lose the war. Yeah. <laughs> the Allies take Germany and America on the, on the side is starting to prepare for the next war they, they have coming, the Cold War. 
In an operation called Operation Paperclip, the U.S. military brought over Nazi scientists to America with new identities who had worked on such things as early fighter jets to actual rocket ships. These ex-Nazi scientists worked on things from the early days of NASA, torture techniques to extract information from communists, to surgical information from experts on Jews. Now, going into the Cold War, the biggest thing was trying to learn information and have better spies. So at one point, the CIA was so deeply obsessed with the Red Scare, they turned to some of the scientists who were Nazis and said, Hey, you guys, you did some crazy shit, right? Got anything on mind reading? To which they go, oh, fuck, ja du bitches. Oh, my God. <laughs> more, more or less, this is how Project Blackbird was set up. Once the Cold War calmed down and people stopped talking so much of the LSD that was making the CIA at the time so hip and groovy, these projects lost funding and got pushed under the rug. More and more, the American people were, get, were getting paranoid about the government as the 70s and 80s went on, and when Nixon got busted, a lot of the crazier government secrets got let out of the bag, too. Due to this, and American soldiers finding out what crazy shit Nazis would sometimes do, what immigrants would tell what horror stories they experienced, and some candid bastards started feeling guilty of later down the road, the public subconscious started whelming up more and more about how purely evil Nazis were. Then at this time, the satanic panic of the 80s breakouts breaks out, and everyone is an occultist worshiping Satan, and the Nazis are thrown in right with them due to, to such films like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Due to all these things, Nazis grew in infamy along with being the evil son of a bitches who murdered almost 17 million people from Jews to Americans. As time goes on, it's easier to stereotype Nazis and make them cartoony villains for everything from Batman to Roger Rabbit. I hope this was informative and not condescending. No, I do not think cool. it was condescending. Yeah. Uh, Kate was, I think, the most enthralled by a lot of this information that I hope I read well for all of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it. yeah, it's very helpful because it enriches the story and it also just makes you kind of contemplate like it is easy to take for granted how evil these this group was you know like all of the damage that they did like you kind of hear these numbers and it becomes like like you we've heard it before we've heard about nazis before but like it's a good thing to remember all the crazy like to like learn new shit about them and just not ever let yourself be like complacent of it. If that makes sense, like to be no, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like they're fucking hard. Like just to remind yourself of their atrocities and like to try not to repeat that shit. It's just important to like think about a hundred percent. I think that's yeah. what allows us in this day and age when we see roots of it to attack it quickly. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to like put everybody that you're a, like, you, there's the good version of that of like, hey, this this thing you're doing, be careful. It's going to yeah. lead to this or but don't also just throw everybody in there because like, yeah, you can't compare anything you're on the opposite side of against to Nazis either. Right, because right, right. Look what they did. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe like calling somebody a grammar Nazi, like you could just chill out about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> chill out. I'm not fucking killing millions I'm a stickler, of people. Over dude. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm anal about yeah. my grammar. <laughs> but if you're like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's a good way to look at it. Yeah. 
I think so. And he says, I love how much work you guys do on the podcast to make it so great and love the more relaxed feel of it and not sweating too many of the ne- unnecessary details. <laughs> We're glad <laughs> we sure you- don't do that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We appreciate that. <laughs> we just want we'd like to have a good time and we care a lot about this, but you know We'll what? give you the details like up front and then it's a lot of them aren't going to stick in my brain. Yeah. That's why I got to just reread them, you know. And I'm not I'm not a professor. That we have a listener that's Professor Pitaway. That's He's right. <laughs> it's been fun watching you guys keep growing as a podcast and learning some awesome stuff about one of my favorite comics. Hope you have a great day. Thank great. you so much. That's so awesome. Thank Thanks you. For email. Um, and if I pronounced your name incorrectly, Ian, 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 E A N. Yeah, just Whitner? let us know. For just let us know. Up. Send me a little like sorry. Uh, voice capture on via email and I'll, <laughs> and I'll play it so everyone knows how to pronounce your name so here you go, correctly but we really appreciate this email yeah and it was really not great. condescending at all no no way because i can tell you right now i mean i went to college doesn't mean i know this much about nazis <laughs> uh, great then we have one more email for this episode this comes from as i mentioned before professor pitaway <laughs> this one is titled hellboy parenthesis Parentheses 2004, parentheses 2014, LOL, <laughs> calling me out, making fun of me, even though I added the Easter egg to really point out how much I fucked yeah. that up. <laughs> but he has to say, dear Hellcasters, or possibly inside the Disney vault, got confused there for a second, probably sees a lot of ads from the other show that we've had, or I hope there's not an air in there that that, that ad is playing where it's not supposed to. Oh, shit. If you hear an air, please let us know. We had a previous Drew Campbell tell tell us about an air. I was able to quickly get it fixed. And we thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> he says, ah, the classic Ron Perlman Hellboy. This was my entry point to the Mignola verse. So I can't hate it. But having rewatched it through critical eyes, I get Dave's objections. The secret society trope of men in black fame was very much of its time. And Agent mm. Myers is utterly unnecessary. Yeah. That being said, I think the limitations of this film film come down to one of the fundamentals of any film script. He said, I always say movies have three legs. Actors, directors, and script. You can get away with being weak in one aspect, but not two. And like a stool, if you skip one leg entirely, you will fall on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> well said, Professor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, weaknesses can be supported with other things. For example, George Lucas is not a great director in my opinion. Hear me out. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, but the original Star Wars was saved by the inter- intervention of his editor, his wife at the time, Marissa. Lu- uh, Mar- I think it's Marissa. M-A-R-C-I-A. Is that how you say Marissa? Lucas. Marsha? Marsha. Thank Marcia? you. See, I need you here. <laughs> Kate, I'm glad I could serve my purpose. For this, <laughs> Marsha for this Lucas. episode. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you no, know, you're here. You're needed every time. Uh, George is still a genius at writing interesting worlds, and the script was very strong. Add in some of the greatest actors of a generation, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Peter Cushing, and Alec Guinness. You have a solid movie. By The Empire Strikes Back, you have a better director in Irvin Kirshner, and the franchise really takes off. When George comes back to the director's chair, he has divorced Marsha, and we get the fandom menace. Shudder. I agree. I think um, I love Star Wars. I love it so much. And... As much they have now, like this re- reinvention going on, of, like people defending the prequels. Yeah, I think you can only. I think you can go only so far as the world is cool, and he had yeah. a lot of potential there. Yeah, but the direction and the filmmaking is like so Dumb. 
fucking bad. So dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like there's so like, they're the, fun to watch, but they are dumb movies. Yeah, like, I'll be rewatching them this year, right before Rise of the Sky of Skywalker comes yeah. out. But God, the fact that there's like it's like he he decided it's weird. Like this is me making an assumption, of course, but it feels like he decided, like especially for Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, he's mm-hmm. like urgency isn't necessary. Just pull it out. People can talk about urgent things, but not in an urgent way by walking down halls. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's so diplomatic, and it's like, yeah. did you even return to your movies that you or the world that you love, like people love before making these? Yeah, there's a lot of politics in those movies, it's which like, I don't think's a bad thing. I just yeah. think it's like. I love the idea if they were in the world of a political thriller, but it's like, then go watch like all the president's men and see that like a political thriller or like need, you need those, that, that, that drive for us yeah. of something like a conspiracy still has to feel not so boring. Yeah. It's I been guess. a while since I've watched them, but oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do maybe Skywalker Saturdays. <laughs> That sounds um, leading fun. up to the release of Rise of Skywalker. That sounds great. I, I would love to watch them. Yeah, like it's been a long time since I've seen them. Just the Skywalker saga. I'm not doing any of the offshoots. Okay, Only Skywalker okay. saga. I don't know why I needed to tell the listeners that. Like I'm inviting them over. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. You're Sorry, not guys. Don't, listen, don't That's bother not, about not part of the other. podcast. <laughs> uh, he continues. So here we have some great actors with John Hurt, Ron Perlman, Selma Blair, Doug Jones, slash David Hyde Pierce. We have one of the best directors out there in Guillermo del Toro. So why isn't this movie the greatest thing since sliced bread? Script? There's a lot of great one-liners in here, but ultimately the dialogue is just kind of bland. You have Agent Myers who is so unnecessary that they essentially killed him off in the sequel and you hardly notice. Yeah. And ultimately the grand story of Hellboy's life, that that he is the key to the apocalypse, is reduced to a CGI fight scene. I agree. Liz isn't the living flame. She's a female prop who can get Bernie when she's angry. (laughs) You wouldn't like her when she's Bernie. I'm getting Bernie. I like that. It is very good. good. (laughs) Uh, Her lack of control is more an inability to perform rather than an inability to rein it in. I agree with that. I, I didn't. I read this email earlier before we went on. Yeah. And when I hit that, I was like, oh, he really put it. I couldn't articulate yeah, like that. Yeah, summarized it in a I was great like, way. Great. For sure. Um, we will leave aside the casual misogyny of the time period and focus on what the movie did right. I thought the love of cats was a smart way to quickly humanize Hellboy. I agree. Um, I know you don't care for the love me, love my gun thing. And to be honest, American f- fetishization of firearms is culturally unhealthy in my opinion. But the prop and the costume department did amazing work. I would pay to see a whole movie of Hellboy and Ivan the Corpse. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Ivan is very, I mean, I want, I think the corpse is a better story in the comic book form, but the inclusion of Ivan and how he is like a practical effect is very cool. Yeah. That was cool. And he's, he's a fun, he's a fun character. I want to watch, I want to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that people love it uh, yeah. more than me. It's, I mean, that's yeah. great. You need to take your DVD back. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I keep wanting to finish the special features and never have finding time. And then I mean, I'm you can hoarding, hang on to I'm it. Hoarding. I'm not in a rush. I'm that's not true. Rush. You're not like you're yeah, it's okay. going away. Yeah. You're not flying away, are you? No, no. Great, great. Ultimately, I think no true fan of any book series 
will be satisfied until they get a full Game of Thrones style television treatment. Yeah. Minus the last season, because that was just a beeline to the end and didn't earn any of its twists or plot. I mean, it ended in a fine place, but it felt empty. I'll save the rest of that rant for a Game of Thrones podcast. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's in here. <laughs> and with the visuals. Used to be on one of those. Stark Raven Mad, check it out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please. I don't know if there's episodes are still up anywhere. But... I know. I bet t- maybe wait like five, ten years. Somebody will rewatch it again and do a podcast about it. <laughs> check out my old podcast about it. Listen to me at 24 years old talking about the first couple seasons. Did you really do that? Stark Raven Mad. Oh, yeah. that's you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did I not? know that I, I mean it was so long ago it was like before i moved to uh, to los angeles it was forever ago that is so funny i was on the first like i don't know like the first season but it was already like the third season of the show was airing so that's what we were oh, talking about wow and it was like yeah very fun that's jessica's fun. on it too great sounds like a great podcast it's very fun did you just stop because it was just too much well we moved oh yeah yeah. Moving can change a lot of things. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, podcast equipment stays wherever you move. Yeah. <laughs> if you move away from yeah, it. Yeah, it, it wasn't. Wasn't, we weren't the ones recording it. So it was like, well, see you later, podcast. Uh, I wish I would have known. I could have been your engineer. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he continues. And with the visual storyboarding already done, I think a show would be great. It would also give time to develop the characters as whole people instead of shorthanded, shorthanding their personalities with cats and Rubik's cubes. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. a miniseries versus film just will have different their own limitations and their own strengths. Yeah. And if it's a film, two hours, you have to tell story in a very different way. Yeah. And then, or you got to get, or you get lucky with like an MCU and you're able to do stories in two hours, but then they're part of a bigger story all yeah. along. Two hours, like minimum too. Yeah. Cause it's, you're rarely going to get a three hour movie that you win over everybody. Yeah. With, which is like an end game is like a big exception in other movies like that. Yeah. Um, now on to the fun history you guys mentioned, and this is ties into right into our email. We just finished. You guys mentioned the Nazi occultist link that happens a lot in fiction like this. And I'm here to tell you, there's a real life reason for that. The Thole Society, T-H-U-L-E, which is mentioned in Hellboy, was a real organization founded after World War I, whose officers read like a who's who of Nazi leadership, except Hitler himself, who was never recorded as joining, but who lets a little thing like reality mess with a good story. One of the primary tenets of the society may sound familiar. They believed that there was an ancient dramatic race called the Aryans. Is that A-R-Y-A-N? Aryans. Okay, I just want to make sure I pronounce sometimes. It's a word I've seen a hundred times and I feel like I'm getting it wrong. Yeah, like you don't say it out loud. Yes. Yeah. Aryans who were natives of a mythical land called Thule. Thule was actually recorded in Roman sources, much like Atlantis, as somewhere far beyond the edges of the map. Most scholars now think it was a reference to Scandinavia, but the Thole Society believed it to be the center of ancient hyperborea. Hi- hi- how do you say that? Sorry, Hyperborea? 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 Hyperborea, an ancient center of ancient Hyperborea, a mythical land which the ancient Greeks said was the land of giants. You can see some of these things creeping into Hellboy lore. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Continues, the Thole Society wanders into pseudo-scientific nonsense about racial purity and and condemnation. 
<laughs> I stopped because I'm just mad at myself for no, saying. No, you're good. You're good. Contamination. Huh. Contamination. Oh. Contamination of oh, Jews. Oh, yeah. There you go. Fuck me. It's a serious <laughs> good email from Professor and I fucked it up. And communists. <laughs> and communists at this point. But one of the offshoots of this group was a group of people who were obsessed with finding ancient artifacts of mystical power. This was a group that searched for the Holy Grail, the Spear of Destiny, and the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, Indiana Jones gets in this mess too. This is the occultist hook that writers love to hang their stories on. But ultimately, the Nazis mostly used the Thule Society to provide semi-mystical pseudoscientific reasons why they should rule the world. Fun fact, though, the universally recognized symbol of Nazism, the swastika, was stolen directly from the Thule Society, who used it as their symbol first. Just yeah. goes to show, Nazis were thieves too. Because if you... Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, and there's this cooler, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little more Celtic. Way as cooler. Always. Way cooler. Uh, shit is so also, you scary, know, dude. You say that, it is very scary. Originally, the swat, there's a swatch that's like flipped that's in like Japanese culture yeah, that's like actually Buddhist a power. Yeah. yeah. So it's like symbols can start, symbols can just change by depending on who uses yeah. them, unfortunately. I mean, at this point, the fucking, yeah. Yeah, Germans I would never. fucked up the swastika, dude. I mean, I'm, no one's getting it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, goes to show the Nazis were thieves too because if you're going to be evil you might as well go all in on all the evil speaking of I should the say Nazis fucked up the swastika not Germans yes I agree with you on okay. that it's sorry to, I just want to make that distinction it is Nazis not Germans that yeah. fucked up the swastika I 100% yeah. agree with okay, you okay sorry that. please continue. Germans are cool there's great Germans in the world yeah and there's a lot of German film would not be in a place without Germans the Germans really innovated a, a most of film editing comes from uh, the Russians, but most film innovations come from Germany. And then America. Riefenstahl, that's her name. Lenny yeah. Riefenstahl. Yeah. She's Doing one of the Nazi <laughs> propaganda yeah. movies. But she showed them how it, yeah. things like that. We, I mean, we watched that shit in film class. Like, yeah, exactly. Watched, yeah, these crazy fucking. Just like how fucking D.W. Griffith fucking combined a lot and changed how you make dramatic tension in movies. And yeah. it's one of the most racist movies of all time. Yeah. And uh, Birth of a Nation. So, yeah. fortunately, history comes with its good and its bad. Just want to leave us with that. But we're going to continue talking on the podcast. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Speaking of the Spear of Destiny, since you brought it up, it's supposed to be that large. Remember when uh, she, he's, when Connie said, you mentioned it as a Megalodon's tooth of, of a spear, which made me laugh. Yeah. That was Connie. Uh, but remember, these spears were made specifically to fight Calvary. Horses are big guys, and if you're going to do do more than piss one off, you need to make a pretty sizable hole in it. This is why the Yeesh. British uh, differentiated between cavalry spears, lances, and infantry spears, demis lances, which are for fighting people. Humans are a lot more vulnerable to smaller spears, so you don't need to have that much blade. But Roman centurions used the gladius in man-to-man -man combat using short stabbing motions from behind interlocking shields that made a unit like a spiky tank on the battlefield. Since the gladius is too small to keep horses at bay, the spears were designed specific specifically for that purpose. Well, I've rambled on long enough. Love as always, Professor Pitaway. Thanks, man. Yeah, we love those emails. Yeah. It's very fascinating, and that's a great... Cause I, Connie was so funny to call out how big that was. Yeah, and I was like, I giant. think it's meant to be that big, especially like he's up. I think we all said that he like in historically 
Jesus is up on a fucking cross and it's several feet off the ground. They're not climbing a ladder to stab him in the ribs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got to be a big smear. But that's it. That's our um, for this week's oh boy email. They're very insightful and educational. We do not walk away from that. We welcome it. Yeah, it's so it's just helpful. Really like fleshes everything out and yeah. And then we brings go, the information right to our brains instead of <laughs> googling. Yeah. Instead of googling, yeah. I do think that's the old way. You know, Google's yeah. great. I love Google. We'll mm-hmm. never talk bad on Google and the and the things I can find through Google. But this Google is just. There are certain things that I wouldn't even know to Google. Like I wouldn't yeah. necessarily be looking up Spear of Destiny. Like I, you know what I mean? Unless I'm like in a really deep like Wikipedia hole. Yeah. And also, I feel like I'm going to get put on a list for Googling all this Nazi shit within five minutes. Yeah, so. we're, I think, <laughs> and we do comedy. We probably were put on a list a long time uh, yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just yeah. kind of true. But I love it because... That's how it used to be. You just pass on oral information. Yeah, man. And Google is just the the, the technological way it's of passing It's just nice to hear info. from people who are like, this is like either your expertise or like your your hobby is like history. Like that's so it's yeah. Yeah, very helpful. And I, I am fascinated by history. I love listening to history, but also I don't, I don't retain, retain very it. much of it, man. I really don't. It's I not going to happen. Um, before I actually pop <laughs> out of the oh boy email segment, I have one more email that came in just as we were sitting down to record that I want to <laughs> quickly get to. It's um, titled Request. And this is from Alex Aronowitz, um, regular emailer and fan of the uh, friend of the podcast. Yeah. He says in this email, you've had enough episodes. It's time for a super cut. Every time Kate says, yeah, or does her guitar <laughs> solo, or every time Dave MDC says, ah, crap, or either of you say, what the fuck? All I can think of is how amazing it would be as an, a super cut. I don't know if you want 40 minutes of me saying, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he, he clearly is saying he does. It would be so long. It would be so long. <laughs> He's saying, do it for the fans. <laughs> I will say this, Alex. I am not doing it myself. <laughs> I wish I had the time and the patience to Send you put some it files together. in a little bit. Yeah, I would say whoever's out there that can do this, <laughs> download all the episodes, rip from them, and make the super cut. I give you full authorization to do do that i would love someone just to do a super cut of me fucking up every time i say something incorrect (laughs) (laughs) i love the request we love that you love us that much to want that i'm not i personally will not be creating it (laughs) i'm adding to it right now it's my it's my tick i'm realizing as he's saying that Yeah. Ah, I love it. Oh boy. We love you all. Oh boy. Um, email. You can also <laughs> oh boy email. <laughs> you can email us at ah crap a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We're gonna take a quick break and when we return, we're gonna jump right into this week's issue, which is another day at the office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Add that to your super yeah. cut. Hi, I'm Devin Field. And I'm Greg Galan. And we are the hosts of the podcast First Hand which is a podcast examining the most important moments in history by speaking to the people who lived them. And we're also going to be sharing our own experiences with those events as Devin and I are kind of like, would you say we're like Forrest Gump types? Yeah, we're like Forrest Gump in the sense that we have experienced almost every major event in 
modern history and we can run really fast yeah and i think it's season one we we dropped some bombs on you guys like uh who the real first man on the moon was who killed tupac who really won the 2000 election small stuff like that and we speak to real witnesses of these events and definitely not just very funny ucb performers like carl tart no mary holland yeah no. echo wodum and many others no the real people that we are the real Quincy Jones, and we talked Facebook with the real Winklevoss dads. Can you believe it? So tune in to the First Hand Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Ah oh, Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. And we're getting right into this week's issue, which is a story titled Another Day at the Office. Great title for this story. It's... Uh well, okay, so the publication history, when four BPRD one-shots were collected in BPRD, The Soul of Venice, and other stories in August 2004, Mignola created this eight-page story specifically for the collection, and it was later reprinted in the Hellboy 20th Anniversary Sampler. So it's written by Mike Mignola, but it was illustrated by Cameron Stewart, colored by Michelle Madsen, lettered by Michael Heisler, and edited by Scott Alley. That's in 2004. So it's, yeah, kind of a shakeup of like the the illustrating and coloring team. Which is cool, really fascinating because they just went through like that trial era of like yeah, finding who they the wanted. BPRD. They clearly were like, Guy Davis is our guy. Yeah. And then they go back for this for just in the collection. And I'm going to tell it right out the gate. I don't mind it. I actually yeah. really like the look of this of this comic. Yeah, it's like pretty distinct. Like Cameron Stewart's style is like very, like to me, I feel like when I was a kid reading comics in the 90s and 2000s, like this style seems to be kind of like the style of comics. It, like for, I, I don't know why, like something about the, the like cleanliness of like the like thicker outside line of the mm -hmm. characters and like the just like even things in the background are are pretty visible in like these like wider shots and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, it's not like a like there's some like hatching, but it's not like a ton. There's a lot of like strong blacks and in, in the composition and stuff like that. Yeah, I immediately think um, that after reading this now twice, I'm like, oh, Cameron. Stewart, I don't know where he comes from or what his other like um, comic book credits are, but the look of this, I'd be like, if they were doing like a revamp of a horror comic, like if like Tells the Crypt comic book came back or early like Strange Tells and those, they did a reboot at this time or when if Cameron's still working, his look would be like who I would go to. I'd be like, I need just a classic ghost or haunted mansion story or or ghouls it's gonna be this guy i think he just creates that atmosphere perfectly yeah. and maybe that's also in addition to uh michelle manson's um colors i think they just a good team yeah I'm assuming. it looks great oh it looks like he did i'm looking at his stuff right now so he also did uh a bprd hell on earth exorcism Ooh. number one and two so and we'll be back yeah, later we'll see on him later and then he's just like all over the place with the rest of his credits. Like he has a ton of uh, stuff just like from like Scooby-Doo Catwoman to like Batgirl, Detective Comics, like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff. Oh, hell yeah. I can cool see him doing shit. Detective Comics, putting Batman in the, the way this looks seems perfect for him. Yeah, that's what it feels very much like a, like 
a Gotham kind of universe, especially at like this opening panel yeah, here. We have a very like it felt like Wayne Manor to me, just like this kind of cobblestoney sort of like yeah, but it's in Bulgrad, Moldovia. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, that's exactly what it's a title another day at the office because that's exactly what it is. It's like Abe and Johan coming up to a BPRD agent. She lets them know the situation. There's zombies in town. They captured one. The townsfolk pretty much took care of them. And there's like a cool shot of like people, you know, people of a town hitting zombies jaws off with a broom and like beating them and stuff like that. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, and yeah, so it was just this guy. And Johan's checking him out. He does his, uh, you know, his like ethereal spirit kind of thing, seeing that the actual occupant of this body is gone and it's replaced by just a trace, another personality not far from here, Robert Huntley. And then the zombie's head explodes and like shatters the <laughs> <Yeah>. windows, <laughs> sends like birds flying. I like this shot of everybody like, of uh, Johan, Abe, and the BPRD agent who greets them, like, collapsed on the floor from the explosion. Mm -hmm. And then just the smoking zombie neck. Yeah. Um, 48 minutes later, a very specific timely. I think it's very funny. And it, yeah. it reminds me of a lot of early Stan Lee. Like, I, I'm still going through the Fantastic Fours now. Oh, yeah. The old ones. And, and even this was in when I read Spider-Man with our friends of the of the podcast that used to have a uh, screw. We're just going to um, talk about Spidey, which yeah. they also have a new co a new series. The screw, Brothers Hines. The Brothers Hines yeah. have Screw It. Now we're just going to talk about comics. Stanley would do that all the time, like a couple seconds, and he'd say exactly the seconds. Yeah, and I was like, "Is he doing this to be charming?" But it, or not? But it started to weirdly grate me. I hated the That's amount funny, precision dude. of the time because I'm like, no one, you know, he didn't put any real thought into how <laughs> yeah. much. You know, he's like, 14 seconds later, just because he's a crazy he's kooky crazy. man. Like, he, you know, he was just like. It's probably just more fun to give a specific, exact specific time. You're 100% so right. So silly. And I wonder if Mignola did that almost as, like as a, a, nod a nod to that. Yeah, a little homage. <laughs> yeah. It's very it's so funny. precise. And then you get these cool, uh, I, I do like too that this these are like pretty straightforward panels as well. Like they're in like a Mignola kind of a way where it's just like rectangle, rectangle, rectangle. And they're very like clear and you can follow it super easily. I would say I love that if you look at the detail of the panel borders, they're frayed. And I yeah. think that touch is really cool for this, like what we were talking about, the gothic and like the, the haunted house Gotham sort of like feel of this story. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, it just feels like it was probably I mean, while it looks really beautiful, like it looks pr very polished. Clearly, this guy's like a great artist. That element of it makes it like not so polished that it's like. Like they didn't take forever to do this. Yeah. Like it's just like a fun one-off and that, that little detail kind of solidifies that feeling, I think. For sure. Um, besides like the length and everything and just makes it, you can see like the human hand on it. Like you can see mm -hmm. that it's like somebody's hand drawing these, like of course with like a ruler, but you know, it's not, not completely like a Photoshop thing. It feels like more. It feels more human. Organic, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. So they're talking about Count Yegor Kyura. Kyuria? I think you nailed it. Kyuria? A bloodthirsty tyrant, national hero, the usual stuff. He built his monastery <laughs> in 1448. They're like doing the it's rundown. Pretty perfect for all the Hitler and Nazi talk we just had with the emails. Yeah, man. <laughs> Another bloodthirsty tyrant we got yep. here. Yup. 
Um, oh, Rachel Turner is the name of the agent from the London BPRD office. Cool. She specifies. Um, and I like that. I I mean, I know this is not a thing that we've maybe discussed a lot, but I love that that she is a a, a black character. Just yeah. like I love just seeing diversity wherever you can find it. Yeah, it's like why not? Exactly. You know, why not have character? It's just yeah, it's better. And then um, so they're talking about she's letting them know. You know, she's like the information dump, basically like, here's what, I, like, we got only so many panels to tell you yep. this information. So here it all is. There's also a legend about this place uh, and a hidden treasure, of course. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Another dryness. day at the office, dude. So, um, they pull right up to a bunch of zombies surrounding the place. By the way, I wanted to point out, I love them the small in that car. Yeah. I love them just pa- five agents all packed into a car, in. a yeah. little European car. Yeah, yeah, that's a good touch. <laughs> I didn't even like fully appreciate that before. It's so fun. It like fits them into the panel and it gives you a like taste of the local like flavor because yeah. so the cars are so much smaller in Europe. <laughs> um, they pull up to a bunch of zombies. They're just like cool, classic looking zombies. Like they're great. Yes. I-, I love how these guys look. Agents get out and start immediately blasting them in the skulls. You guys go ahead. Like it feels <laughs> yeah. like it's like kind of urgent, but it's not like terror. It's not like terribly scary for them. Yeah, this is like a day at standard, the office. <laughs> a day at the office. Dude. Yeah, we're gonna keep saying the title because that's what I love when they pull up their immediate. The only dialogue that they give from the driver, I assume, popping out is like, "This must be the place at the yeah. side of the zombies." Oh, this must be the place. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there. There's no exclamation point on any of the panel uh, on any of the like speech bubbles in here. Um, and Abe and Johan just kind of like football straight arm their way through the crowd. Like they're not even particularly like running or anything. They're just kind of wading through these zombies. Yeah. Johan in that frame at the bottom is like slightly pushing one just slightly to the side. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me laugh too, because I, when I was reading this, I was like, okay, so this was published in 2004. When, when did walking dead come out? Like the comic walking dead. And I looked it up and it was sometime in 2003. Oh. And I was like, I wonder if like the success of that, like if he was just like, Oh, I'll do a little something about zombies. But he like makes them so different, not a problem. Yes. Like, it's just like, oh, these are just standard fare for, you know, for the BP. they would be. It. Yeah. There's no way that like it would be it'd be insane. And I, I, this is something I loved about the story. It would be insane to allow the BPRD to be thrown by classic zombies it'd be yeah. like old school yeah Fuck, we know we have many files on you we know we <laughs> i know work with one with of you this. probably we there's probably like have, a protocol yeah we have a zombie on the fucking staff <laughs> yeah right <laughs> nice guy <laughs> there uh, it's so fun yeah i love and, it and like they so they enter this chapel gunshots just going off outside no problem it looks like this dictator has been dug up they hear laughing whip around and you get this like awesome Mignola y kind of like grand speak speech making mm-hmm. from the crazy dictator who's been risen, which is like he's possessing the body of the um this now local, which his name is what is it? Because Johan Robert gave him the Huntley. Name. Yeah, Robert Huntley. He's being possessed by that his being possessed by the because he's wearing the bones around his neck. Yeah, he's wearing <laughs> his dictator's bones of uh Yegor or just wrapped around his neck on a rope. Um, uh, He's wearing his skeleton as a necklace. And then, yeah, he's doing the like, where is my sword? I will, you know, you make demands of me. The I'll swell these rivers with foreign blood. And then 
one shot from Abe's tranquilizer gun. It's not even like set to kill. He just like tranks him. <laughs> and then the zombies all outside apparently freeze. BPRD agent, we done? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Huntley falls over with all the bones. All the zombies outside fall over because it's, I guess it's the whole like master gets taken down minions get taken down kind yeah. of thing. We're going to need a truck. Like they're the BPRD <laughs> agents are just like so matter of fact. It's very fun. Johan just gives us a quick quick and dirty speech bubble of like seems like Robert Hundley had a psychic gift, but he was unaware of it until he disturbed the remains. Like he's yeah. you know, he's just like this is what happened. Bloodthirsty tyrant to bones on a rope. It was a bad day for Yegor cure you <laughs> the end and that's it it's just like i love it so like wrapped it up real quick like a fun little story to kind of just show you exactly what it is another day at the office it's so fun i think that's exactly what you just said is like what's perfect about this one is yeah it it sets a goal of like we're just going to show you a day another day in bprd and it doesn't go any it it does it fulfills that so perfectly yeah god i love it yeah, I like, really loved this one. <laughs> it's fun too to to do that like every now and then just to give them, you know, because there's not so much gravity. It, it just informs the rest of the stories like the rest of, you know, the main like Hellboy stories. There's like a lot of weight to them sometimes. Like yeah. it'll be like this is like serious and main characters are affected and. um, You know, you kind of do get to see like, of course, they would get kind of used to this. Like this would be their it's just their job. Yeah. So it's I, really fun and cool. I agree. And I think as you were just saying, Kate, how it adds to the other ones, and even though it doesn't have these direct connections other than the character, the two characters, Johan and Abe, it reminds you that the cases that in this universe, the cases that the BPRD go on aren't the, necessarily the heaviest part ever about. Even in the prior stories we've listened to, for example, with Plague of Frogs, the fact that they're going to invest this creature that's causing people to turn into frogs is a big deal. Yeah. That's part of the job. Yeah. What becomes bigger and more apparent is what's more important for us, especially as readers, is the internal turmoil and story of the characters that's going on. Yeah. And this sort of story, which is so fun and condensed into showing you just a day in the BPRD, reminds you of that. Yeah. Of like, oh, that the the fact that they're going up against frog monsters is cool, but there's bigger things afoot. Yeah. The bigger story, um, umbrelling over everything. I God, I love it. Yeah. It's <laughs> I, really cool. It's so cool. It's so condensed. What a fun treat that they just added into a collection. And Mignol's like, yeah, whether it was the success of Walking Dead or just his version, I love it. But I think that's one of my highlights. We can get right into this, like our favorite things about this and panels. I think my highlights is like that the zombies aren't such a threat that yeah. are just, I think that's fascinating because I think we are to you, especially in the overkill of these days mm -hmm. for me, at least in zombies is just like, I can't even believe that Jim Jarmusch just came out with a, this year with a zombie movie. Cause I was like, what? It's just so oversaturated. Yeah. You know? And it seems or it be, was even it was. like that, it, like in 2004, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we continue just to keep building on it, but no one's really brought in a new take. And this feels sort of like a slightly new take because no one's, even the townspeople did not see the zombies. as that. Yeah. They they're just it's a like, slight nuisance. Yeah. 
versus what we always see is like, oh no, they're dead. And now the world's going to burn. This yeah. is just like, no, nah, we have to fuck it. It's like a pest. Yeah. To fucking deal with these like things. Like an exterminator. <laughs> yeah. And I love that take on zombies yeah. versus what we're always, what we're currently sort of used to and oversaturated with. Yeah. That a horde is automatically just going to win the battle. Yeah. But I loved that take on it. Any favorite panels or anything for in this little yeah, short story? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I do love that panel of the townsfolk just having fun beating them up. Um, <laughs> and I, I like the panel right before that, too, um, of Abe and uh, Agent Turner. I think it just it looks cool. I like the way that the this artist draws characters. I think they look great. Are yeah. you talking about the one at the bottom of the first page that has Johan in the ba- in the background as well? Or the one above that? Oh, on the uh, second page, like right above where the uh, townsfolk are beating up the zombies. Yes. Just like they look cool. I like the character designs. So what about you? Is there anything that's like standing out big time? Very clean, um, as you pointed out earlier. Very clean. His, his facials are very clean. Yeah. I think my favorite, just off of the illustration of what you've pointed out, about that, how clean this art is. I love when they first roll up in the, I think it is page one, two, three, four, five, page five. They roll up and they get out and they just start shooting the zombies. Yeah. The one that shows the horde of zombies and the one getting hit in the head with the genius yeah, purple like juice out. Yeah. It. I think that one's just such a slick, cool. It is good. Panel. I love it. Yeah. I don't know why. And I normally don't love like gravitate towards like, I just think. Like actiony kind of panels. Yeah, but that is very, it's just clean and cool looking. This whole page, yeah, this whole page just like gets it across really quick and it's fun. Yeah. It's fun it's, to look at. It's so cool to look at. And these at. colors are like, I like that they're so like rich and saturated. It feels very much like an, like it's harkening back to like old horror comic kind of things, like these super bright colors and stuff like that. No, I mean, super bright compared to maybe like usual colors of Hellboy. Yeah, definitely when we're comparing it to Mignola's work. A hundred percent agree. But uh, yeah, it gives it, the colors have their like, the the blacks are very black and then the colors are very, they're, you know what I mean? They, yeah. they the contrast is, even, there's no Even the rest no of the comic area. is kind of more, like it's, it's not as saturated as just that one page where there's like, gunfire and like car lights lighting up the zombie and stuff like that. Like it's cool. Yeah. It's well done for just a short story. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I think my favorite dialogue is just the dryness throughout. Yeah. We're going to need a truck is pretty funny to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's very good. I love this must be the place. I just love that. This must be the place. Yeah. Like they're having, they're like, they know how to like cut through the serious and if their own job. Yeah. What you'd probably do, like if you were a plumber and you, you're like, I got yeah. called in to take care of shit. And they're like, Hey, show me where the toilet, the broken toilet is. Yeah. They walk in and they see like a bathroom covered in shit. They're like, Oh, is this it? Yeah. Is this, this it? The There's no other toilet? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is what I deal with. I love it. I've read it twice and I loved it both times. Yeah. I didn't get, it's not, a, it's a story that I think it's easily to re- digestible and returnable. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Congrats you guys on this one. Out <laughs> yeah. There. Well done. <laughs> well done. Well and done the, Cameron and Michelle Madsen. And the cover is really cool too. I do he like did that. With the Abe, intense Abe, you know, balances firearm with Johan. Zombies surrounding him. Very cool. It's kind of fun. Put you right in the action map cover. I wonder what the cover itself was on the collection or if the cover was just included inside of that first original like Soul of Venice and others. Because oh, it's interesting know. there is even a cover if it was only designed for 
a collection. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Very fascinating. If anybody knows the answer to that question, I would love to know or see if you have a picture of it, send us to us of the, that original collection it was part of. Cause it is interesting. They would take the time for a cover if it was just part of that. Yeah. Very cool though. Yeah. Very good work. I love it. It really adds in the simplest ways to the universe. Totally. Um, real quick though, we want to hear from you. So please, you can get at us at ah crap, uh, Hellboy Podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. You can tell us about the cover, what you know of this, and what your thoughts were on it at ah crap, a Hellboy Podcast at gmail.com. Kate, based on just this short story, do you have anything you would suggest to our listeners to read, watch, or enjoy? Mm. <laughs> just trying to think of like zombie stuff that hasn't, that you haven't like seen, seen? a ton of. I don't, I want you to revisit. The and it's the only ver only movie of this director that I genuinely like and probably over on love. Uh, check out Zack Snyder's remake of um, Dawn of the Dead. Is it Dawn of the Dead? He did you do Dawn of the Dead? I think it's Dawn of the Dead. He did remake his zombie movie is fucking awesome. Ty Burrell's in it and Ty Burrell plays a total shitty yeah, person Dawn before I knew he was the 2004 one yes I think it's fucking also 2004 off. crazy this must have just been like and zombies must have been on yeah this is like when they were like they got they were getting their return getting big. big again yeah um I think his remake is actually very cool visually it's awesome I'm a huge fan of it it was one where I went in thinking a remake what am I getting into and then I ended up loving it. oh yeah I remember this one a lot yeah yeah and then I, I remember liking this one a lot I should say the mall one yeah, the mall one. It's yeah. I mean, that's what they do in the original too, Donna. Yeah. So I think if you like that one, then I would be like, go back and revisit George Romero's originals. Then go as far back, you know, all the way back to his Night of the Living Dead. I think they're they're fantastic film and zombie artifacts that you see the birth of something that is even though I we we comment on them being a little oversaturated with them now, they're iconic and they're one of the greatest movie mon started as an original movie monster you know what i mean not that we have not seen undead things but that's where they got their start and they've gone on to fill the imaginations of many that love horror and cinema for yeah. ages now it's fascinating that it started with the night of the living dead oh i do have a suggestion of go for it it's only like peripherally related in like it's like a lot of fun and it's a horror movie i recently saw brain damage i've never heard of this it's like we were kind of talking about Ma before the podcast yeah. started and how there's like kind of a weird balance of like funny and seriousness, like and horrificness. Brain damage is like if you leaned funnier, like in tone, I should say. Like there's like the story has nothing to do with the with Ma, but where they got it right, where they were like, we know we're making a comedy. It's just funny. The and there's like cool, there's like cool practical effects going on. And it's very like low budget. Or I would assume just looking at it. It's a 1988 comedy horror film directed by Frank Henenlotter. It's just, it's worth a watch. It's for sure worth a watch. I think I'm looking at the visuals of it and seeing a tiny little brain. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on Don't board. even like look at this guy too much. Put it on my watch Just somebody list. else taking control of somebody else's Ooh, uh, I body, it. I guess, is like what made me think of it. I love it. Yeah. Great. Those are great suggestions. Check those out. Um, right before we close out and we get our hashtag right hand or draw prompt, we have a little segment at the very end real quick for all you out there. You've probably seen these all because you're all big Mignola fans, but this is a segment we call more Mignola. 
<laughs> that sounds like the chips yeah. are <laughs> One of the, I love it. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> I am hungry. Yeah. Uh, one of these has been out for quite a while, but it's a uh, Mignola did a cover for a comic book called Sea of Stars. He did a variant, um, or it might be the original, but it's a, definitely a cover for it. It's very cool. Um, it's like I haven't picked up this comic book. It's Jason Aaron, so it's probably fucking awesome. I'm a big Jason Aaron fan, especially right now during his coming, concluding his run on Thor with War of the Realms in the Marvel Universe. But he's a great writer. I'm a big fan of Jason Aaron. Uh, he has a thing called Sea of Stars. And Mignola, Mignola does a great cover for his first issue. Yeah, it's Guy really cool looking. floating in, uh, I can only assume, space and sort of like these jellyfish feather-like creatures behind him. From looking at the... Um, the other cover, it's like some kind of like Leviathan looking like Ooh. whale serpenty sort of a thing. Fucking love it. This is going to have to be an image comic book that I pick up and check out, yeah. especially after it gets collected or hoopla. <laughs> yeah. Probably hoopla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's great. I We're love not it. Millionaires. And it's just always cool to see. Yeah, I am not a millionaire. It's always cool to see more Mignola art, you know? Yeah. That's especially when it's like, we are so used to him and Hellboy will never get old of it. But when you see him do other stuff, you're like, oh, he's great at everything. Yeah. Um, and the last one is pretty recent. It's a first look at his cover for a comic book or it's volume two of The Weatherman. It's a ver another great Mignola cover. You could probably Google these online. I'm not sure if I'll post them on our feed or not, but if they show up, you can enjoy them. But a lot of websites post these already. You can Google them, but the weatherman, he does a classic like... He was like, oh, you need a gorilla monster? I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, and I'll give it a bunch of like, eyes what? and tusks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things that Kate has always pointed out that Mignola loves, loves to, to do. <laughs> ape arms and all kinds of shit. But it's cool and it's weird, crazy that his stomach is open. You can see his intestines yeah, bleeding it's out. gnarly looking. He's a combination of a lot of things. And it's something, again, I don't know anything about the, the weatherman comic, but it's volume two is coming and... Mignola does a great cover for it. Yeah. So check those things out. Pick them up just to have the art for Mignola. Maybe you'll fall in love with those comics if you haven't already. So awesome. That's it for more Mignola. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we sign out, Kate, what do you have for this week's hashtag right hand of draw? Right hand of draw probably <laughs> will be <laughs> just like the one of the characters but in a vastly different style, like a either like a Looney Tunes kind of a style. Like, you know how, have you ever seen like on Instagram or something like a chart of like characters in different styles? Like it'll be yeah. like SpongeBob, like SpongeBob or like, it'll have like every like Nickelodeon character and show, but it'll have like this graph where it's like, okay, now this is Homer in the um, style of SpongeBob or in the style of, Rugrats are in the style of like, like, you know, or Garfield, like yeah. they'll have like all these different kind of like intersections of characters and their, and different styles. That's cool. Um, so like just one, you don't have to make a chart unless you really want to <laughs> go for the chart, but yeah. we're, all, we're not asking for a chart. We're asking you can do Hellboy or any of your favorite character in, in a, a different, vastly different style. Completely. Yeah. Like where you wouldn't maybe expect him to be. Yeah. Like you said, Looney Tunes. It's like, yeah. what would a Looney Tunes Hellboy look like? Yeah. It's hanging out with Bugs Bunny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> saving, saving bugs from saving something. Saving bugs. Or I, mean, I you, don't know. They might, Bugs might save Hellboy from something. You probably have to fight that witch. The witch. I don't know what the witch's yeah. name from Looney Tunes is, but I can see Hellboy oh. up against her. 
and her monsters. You mean Witch Hazel? Witch Hazel, yeah. Ooh, you Hellboy had it half right. You didn't even know. I would love to see Hellboy with Witch Hazel. Yeah. And have a little adventure. Having a conversation. And then, of course, yeah, exactly. It'd be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's great. Uh, that's a great hashtag right hand uh, draw prompt. <laughs> hey, I love them all. Everybody that ever draws them loves them. We hope you want to draw these. Um, if you do, remember just to use the hashtag right hand of draw when you post it on Instagram. Tag us as well. We'll repost that in the hopes that many people will love it as much as we do and follow you and enjoy more of your art. Some thing, good things can come from that for you. Yeah. Because we love it. Um, but that's it. You can follow us on Instagram at Aw Crap A Hellboy Podcast, Twitter at Aw Crap Hellboy. You can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you um, podcast. But if you are an Apple Podcast, you can if you give us a five star um, rating as well as give us a review that starts with the word "boom," we will read your review right here on the podcast and give you a shout out. So do that, please. It brings more people to the show because yeah. we love it when you guys listen. We love having this little tiny um, world with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank you again for listening. And remember, we love you. Bless you. <laughs> you say bless you and then I always edit it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not my sneeze, both. Uh. Hey, this is Betsy Stover. And I'm Amanda Allen. And we do a podcast called Why Mommy Drinks. Each episode, we have a guest and we all share a story of a time that our kids drove us to drink. Parenting isn't easy, but it sure can be funny. Listen to us on Campfire Media. Why Mommy Drinks. Campfire. <laughs>